Hey Medford Bites listeners, today's episode includes an interview with members of the Pride Planning Committee. Make sure to check out the Queer Art Show at the Unitarian Universalist Church of Medford on 157 High Street this Thursday, June 9th from 6 to 9 p.m. You can find more information about Medford Pride by following Medford MA Pride on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also follow this link in today's show notes for a full schedule of events on the city's website. Hope you enjoy. All right, thank you all for joining me today. I'm here again with Chelly as my co-host. Um, Hi, Chelly here. <laughs> but if you, if you all could introduce yourselves just with your name, pronouns, and just a bit about who you are. Sure, so I'm Cyan, my pronouns are they, them. I've been non-binary identified since I was in my late teens. Um, I moved to Boston around 2000, and the primary reason I moved to Boston was because I thought it was just a more queer-friendly, trans-friendly place. Um, and I've lived in a, a number of different cities here, Somerville, Arlington. I moved to Medford in 2007. Um, I was not excited about moving to Medford, I gotta say. I was a little uh, apprehensive, but um, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I did not receive any, I did not really have any problems here. I've, I've observed a couple racial things that I've seen, but I haven't seen any um, anti-LGBTQ um, incidents other than, of course, the Southern Baptist Church signs, which are whatever, they're fine. Um, and I was really interested to join the Medford Pride Planning Committee because after spending two years in the pandemic and working from home the entire time, um, because I work in tech, um, I haven't had a lot of as much social interactions as I was like as I would like. And I think you know that was just some way to make me feel engaged and hopefully make make um, Medford a better, more welcoming place. Um, I never found it to be extremely welcoming, but I didn't find it to be hostile. And for me, that was like a good, <laughs> being not, not queer hostile was actually very, was nice, you know, like for a place I have to live and if I'm walking around carrying a parasol and we're dressed flamboyantly or whatever. Um, and I'll leave it at that. So my name is Joan Sear. I go by she, her. Um, been in Medford since 1999 and came by way of Malden and Cambridge, born and raised in Cambridge. So um, uh, I think I came to the Pride Committee because I was actually on the Pride Planning Facebook group before um, it became the Medford Pride Committee. And we were working um, with a small group trying to figure out what could we do for Pride this year. So um, since I had already been on that team, I threw my hat into the ring um, for the Medford Pride Committee. I'm also a member of the Medford Community uh, Preservation Committee. So I have a, a little bit of information about how to kind of work things through the city. And I um, was happy to see that uh, Medford was gonna try to throw their own uh, Pride Committee uh, plan after you know the Boston Pride sort of dissolved over the pandemic. So happy to be here. Um, I think Lucy, you're next. Hi, um, I'm Lucy Rodriguez, and I go by she, her. I joined the Pride Committee because I thought that there should be things to do for people in younger generations. <laughs> um, so people who are younger have different interests, and I thought it would be good to have someone representing them in the committee with similar interests because it would be easier to relate to them. 
And I have identified as bisexual since fourth grade. And I've lived in Medford for my entire lifespan. So 14 years. Hey there. Uh, so I'm Michael Lowe, they, them pronouns. Uh, grew up in Burlington, Massachusetts. We've been living in uh, <clears throat> Medford for about either six or seven years at this point. Um, uh, here in Medford, I run a queer screen printing art collective called Triangle Manor um, with nine other artists around New England. Um, I also am on the board of directors for a nonprofit organization called Anthro New England, which is a currently about a 3,000 person yearly convention uh, in the anthropomorphic community. Uh, we raise a bunch of money for local charities. <clears throat> um, the, uh, I got interested in the Medford Pride Committee. I was actually recommended to me by somebody at the Unitarian Universalist group uh, who thought that I might be a good fit uh, and sent me the way of the, you know, the application. and. Uh, I thought about it a bit and realized I would like to, you know, as a person of color, uh, would like to make sure that there is representation for, you know, black and brown people as much as possible. And, you know, as someone who is also queer, I, I don't know, I just want to, I want to make sure that we are as, as open and welcoming as possible as a city. And, uh, you know, having seen a, a good handful of local politics, I want to make sure that we as a community move towards inclusiveness um, and away from kind of being comfortable and conservative. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's it. Thank you all. You jumped ahead a little bit to answer the why question of the pride committee, so I appreciate that. Um, I do always ask the same question though, folks, so if, if, you, if anyone would like to answer their favorite place to eat in Medford and what they like to eat there, Joan, I know you're ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I actually, my answer to almost every question I'm a Libra is it depends. So here's my list. It depends. If it's Asian, say bar. If it's a burger, snappy patties. Pizza, for pizza or real gusto. Ice cream, Colleen's. Sandwich, Colleen's. They have the best BLT. If you haven't tried it, try it. Entree, semolinas, fish and chips, iris, better than legals. Try it. Baked goods, Colette's. Of course, that's my list. Thank you, so comprehensive. And I, I, I appreciate that, uh, the variety, because I think everybody has a hard time choosing one place. Mm -hmm. Anybody else want to share? What? I would have to say, I have two. Uh, Zam Zam in Medford Square, mm -hmm. astounding. I just had some uh, lamb birani for lunch, so very good. Um, also, Tenoch. Uh, uh, they make amazing tortas. Uh, the torta campechana is always the one I go for. So yeah, those are my recommendations. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. All right. So um, I know you got, you all did. You haven't had a lot of time to plan the events for Pride. Um, last week we had the flag raising and the the drag show, um, and there was an interfaith service I think on the first. Um, great. So I, I want to give you some time to talk about what we can expect from the rest of the month. What do you, what you all are excited about? 
Well, um, let's see. Next week, we tried to plan to have at least one um, event every week during the month of June. So next week on the 9th, which is Thursday, we have a queer art show at the UU Church, 6 to 9 p.m. And Transgender 101, that's being put on by the Medford Public Library at the library, 7 to 9. Uh, the following week uh, on the 17th, there's an LGBTQ plus story hour hosted by Book Wonder at 4 Good Vibes. That's at 11. And then a dance, skate, and mingle party at City Hall in the parking lot in front, 7.30 to 9.30. The following week on Tuesday, Pride Zine Workshop for Teens at the Metro Public Library, 3 to 5. On the 24th Friday, Lindsay Monroe sings at the Medford Public Library. That's for young kids at 3.30. And then the main event will be on Sunday, June 26th, the celebration at Andrews Field from 1 to 6. Just to clarify, um, thank you, Joan. That was a perfect uh, comprehensive list. So we do have, uh, as she kind of mentioned, we do have events for both um, young children, um, middle-aged teens, you know, middle-aged children. <laughs> and we also have like some all, all ages events. And, we, and as you mentioned before, we did have one 18 plus event, which was the drag um, and dinner show because we wanted the drag queens to be able to express themselves, um, the drag performers to be able to express themselves as needed. So the, the, the two events for young children are the drag story hour, LGBT story, LGBTQ story hour, Friday the 17th and the 24th, which is Lindsay Monroe sings, which John already mentioned. And the teen event is really the 18th, which is that dance party that we're having um, 7.30 to 9.30. And then the other events, everything else we have is all ages. Oh, and the teen, there's also a teen zine thing at the library too. Sorry, I forgot that. Thank you. That's a, that's a whole bunch of stuff that you guys got, you all got together. Um, Michael, I think you mentioned in your introduction this goal of like thinking about um, how Medford Pride could sort of separate itself or like distinguish itself from Boston Pride and sort of all the trouble there and the reason that we're not having a Boston Pride this year. Um, I wonder if any of you could speak to that a little bit. Um, I will happily speak to it. Is Joan, were you going to say something? So no, nope, I was waiting for Michael. <laughs> okay. Michael, did you want to start? Uh, uh, honestly, uh, I would say go ahead, Cyan, and uh, I will I will jump on afterwards. Okay, sure. So just to recap for people who don't understand, I had to research it and remember myself. So um, the Boston Pride Planning Committee, the Boston Pride Organization, I forget exactly what they're called. They kind of imploded in 2020 because they had long been getting criticism for not including trans people in their leadership, not including people of color in their leadership. It was basically a bunch of, um, I think, white, gay, and lesbian folks, for the most part, who were running, the, who were leading the organization. And they were also got cr criticism for too much corporate sponsorship. A lot of, uh, I, I noticed from going to the Pride Parades from 2001 to you know, 2018 or so that they, they changed a lot, that many of the floats that came through were just a bunch of people in t-shirts for whatever bank or corporation. And um, that was definitely less exciting <laughs> pride parade. So what happened in 2020, as far as I understood it, is that because of the resurgence of Black Lives Matter and the, real, the importance of racial equity, um, these calls for change became much stronger and Rather than change, they just decide to dissolve. I think probably COVID played a part too because it was very difficult to manage during that time. 
So I don't know all the full details, but just to recap it quickly. Um, so I think, you know, coming into this, because I have a very strong anti-racist um, interest and passion for diversity, uh, I wanted to make sure that we were going to be inclusive of people of color, of trans people. Um, and I think that's one way we wanted to differentiate ourselves. And I also wanted us to be very careful about who we were accepting for sponsorship. Um, we did talk about that a little, as, as maybe was mentioned before, it was kind of a mad rush because we only had six weeks to plan. So we didn't really have the time to do a lot of, but we did, I, I'm, I'm on the same page as what Michael said, we didn't want, um, we didn't want a lot of, Michael said this previously to me, we didn't want a lot of corporate floats and stuff like that. We didn't want it to be a corporate event where we were primarily promoting corporations. I'm totally for promoting um, small businesses to a, to a small degree, like you know, mentioning that they sponsored an event or so on, but I didn't want this to be an advertisement for big corporations for sure. So for me, that was one of that was those were some of the ways. And and in our drag event that we had, we specifically made sure that we had drag performers of different kinds. We didn't have just white drag queens. We had drag kings. We had drag things that's that's kind of what one of them calls themselves <laughs> i'm not saying that in a derogatory way but we had people who were kind of gender non-binary in between drag performers and we had drag queens and we had um people of different colors and i think it was a great great performance and pretty inclusive of uh how our performance went so michael i'll hand it to you yeah and uh so i guess uh specifically to talk about uh kind of you know the, the corporate sponsorship end of things i have a strong belief uh and i and then, you know, as Cyan said as well, um, I just don't want to see a big bank float. I don't want some, you know, financial firm to be hucking t-shirts at me at a parade, right? Uh, if they want to give us money and support our small community, great, but you're not getting representation because you're not queer. You're not, you know, <laughs> you're not there to be seen right now, right? this is a month for the queer community, not for TD Bank or whomever. It's irrelevant who it is. Um, in terms of small businesses, you know what? Yeah, that's that's who I want to be supporting our community. I would love a bunch of local restaurants, local businesses to be like, yep, uh, you know, this pizza shop and that tax accounting firm in Medford, they've been here for 15 years. You know, they paid for this thing, they did that, and we recognize them and say, thank you. You know, that's what I want to, that's my view of, of a successful <clears throat> uh, kind of sponsorship thing is, is small groups working with other small groups to, you know, make it happen, basically. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's all I got to say on that. I guess we're not Boston Pride, we're Medford Pride, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and it sounds like there are a lot of great local businesses and small businesses that are involved in some of your events and the library sounds like has a big role. I think too, like what comes to mind when like, not just like the advertisement for some of these corporations, but also what's, how are they actually supporting queer people? Is it just like a performance for the month of June, right? Um, and I think also a criticism, I could be totally wrong, of Boston Pride was safety for BIPOC people. So like the presence of police um, and, and things like that, how, how that created less of a safe space for lots of people that needed to be included in pride um and so yeah i guess i wonder if if that if that brings anything else to mind for you all yeah i i wanted to uh also just add into what michael said and what we were saying 
um, in terms, this isn't something I had anything to do with, but the leadership of the Medford Pride Planning Committee has multiple people of color. So it is not simply a matter of just a bunch of white people, even though Medford is probably almost 90% white. Um, I think it's between 80 and 90, I'm not sure. Um, we, do, we do have three people of color in our planning committee. And um, Francis has made very short, Francis is the one who picked the group. Um, so France, in, in terms of your safety concern, that's something Francis has been pretty vocal about. And I know she's talked to the police a lot and she understands that for certain events, we may need to have a police presence because of blocking off roads and stuff like that. But she does want the people who are attending to be very, to feel safe and not feel intimidated. And so she's, um, Michael, you weren't, might remember the term she used, I'm not sure, but she said she wanted to like de-emphasize the police or somehow integrate them in a way that was like less intimidating. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the term or John? I don't remember the term, but I won't forget uh, the chief of police escorting Gigi Gill down the stairway from Medford City Hall to the flag raising and in his uh, regular, uh, you know, street clothes. So um, that that to me spoke volumes about how they are de-emphasized as a, you know, police force, but still there to celebrate. And for our listeners, Gigi Gill is a, a six foot five drag queen <laughs> from Without <Salem>. heels. <laughs> and the police chief was not I think the police chief was not in uniform for that either right? he was not in uniform he was in street clothes yes Lucy did yeah. you want to add something yeah um Cyan you kind of already said this but not only do we have diversity in the community I mean the committee but we also look for diversity in our performers and people who are going to be there and businesses that are supporting the events. And we're very, very like strict on protection wise because we don't want to risk anything bad happening at any of the events. So we've already covered safety for the most part. Francis has been on top of that the entire time. And I don't know. I am very excited for these events. Thank you. Oh, I guess I'll give my two cents on <clears throat> on safety and police at Pride as well. Um, I will say I was happy with, I was comfortable with, at least so far the the presence of with you know with <clears throat> the chief of police escorting Gigi. I thought that was that was cute. That was nice. Um, I am personally as a uh, again as a person of color. I am wildly uncomfortable around police officers. I strongly believe that police should not be at pride. I also, you know, I don't want to see a rainbow cruiser. It's not, you know, I don't think that's necessary personally. Um, maybe a little bit more aggressive than others in the group. That's fine. That is just my view on it. Um, so, so far I like it so far. It's, uh, you know, I think we're doing a good job. So, yeah. Thank you. I'll say one thing about the corporations or police. Um, the, the one side that I always think about is, and I'm, I'm older than all of you here, <laughs> but I remember a time when I worked in a corporation where it was not okay to be out. Mm. And I think that there's space for people that work at a company, for a city, for a store, whatever, to show that they can now be out and be proud about who they are in that corporate space. So I think that there's a little carve out there um, and to see 
you know, a gay police officer or, you know, whatever. That to me, I always think about the days that everybody was in the closet. So, so that's just my interpretation. Yeah, no, I, I 100%, I understand that. And I guess that's the thing too, is, you know, it isn't just as black and white as that. Obviously there are queer people in, you know, police and fire and everything, all the services like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more of a, a, I would say it's more of a comment on the, the current tension Right, the current tension between the queer community, between the, the the black and brown community, and and police in general, I think is is more the comment, uh, I guess I'm making than in general. Um, yeah, because I'm not, I guess I'm not trying to be exclusive of queer folks in those groups, mm-hmm. but just wanted but, to bring yeah. bring bring a point to, you know, a level of me as a as a non-white queer person having a certain way, having a certain feeling towards that group, even in a safe space. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I'll just add um, one thing. So everything everyone said is great. I love these perspectives. I just wanted to mention or just remind us that Pride originally was a fight with the police. So it started because the police in New York City were oppressing gay people, kind of based on this pseudo legal thing where they were just going and harassing people at the bars. So I think, you know, in terms of pride and queer people, police presence is extra charged. And um, so I think that's just something to be sensitive about. Thank you. So we said it a few times, you know, you all have had six weeks of plan, I'm assuming. next time you'll have more time you'll start before april um but i think i'm I'm wondering like sort of how you hope um the celebration the parties the sort of uh visibility of queer people in medford this month like how you hope that'll impact the city moving forward so right now we're you know six weeks into planning a celebration so it's more about party planning right now but um we're all thinking you know in the future when the last event in the month of June occurs, how can we take the momentum of what was the Pride Committee and the discussions that we opened and um, the communications that we had and relationships that we built and how can we take that and parlay it into talking about the issues that still exist in the city of Medford around LGBTQ plus um, safety and uh, Black Lives Matter and people of colors feeling uh, feeling safe. You know, what can we do to advance the conversations? How can we use Medford Pride and the momentum that we have to sort of advance those conversations, and you know, maybe heal some wounds, improve some processes, and that kind of thing. We haven't gotten to that point yet um, since we're so new, but that is something that we've grappled ourselves in our own Pride Planning Committee meetings. You know, so. Um, I can go next. I, I guess I would, I would like to see um, a more uh, geographically inclusive pride next time when we have more time, where we actually cover. I, I would like to see us have a, at least one event in West Medford. You know, events kind of all all around the city instead of just centered in the this the city center. I mean, the city center is great, and I guess it's centrally located, but. I'd love to see more events kind of spanning out. Um, and of course we would have more, we would have more time so we could really invest more time into researching sponsors and making sure that the people who are supporting us are people that are 
we, we would like to encourage them to be people who will support us, who will support the LGBTQ community in general and not just for the pride events. Um, um, I guess I'll go. <laughs> um, what I hope to see in the future is like science said, I hope there is events spread out more instead of all congregated in the same region so that more people can attend and easily get there and it won't be such a hassle for people to attend these events so that it can be more friendly to people in the outer areas. Um, I also wanna see more kids being proud, have pride, because that's what the event is for. And I want them to kind of not be embarrassed because there's a lot of kids in school who are embarrassed to show their pride and it's sad. So I hope that these events encourage them to be proud of who they are and to not be afraid to show it. Uh, uh, again, echoing wider spread, geographically speaking, I would love that. Um, I would love to, in the non-Pride months, I would love to see businesses reaching out to the community or, or showing the community somehow that, you know, we support, it's a safe place, you know, uh, does that mean they have a little flyer in the window with a pride flag? Maybe it's as simple as that. Who knows? Um, but just something to continue the conversation and continue pushing uh, that, you know, safe spaces are everywhere. And, you know, we don't have to be afraid to walk into a business because there's a particular political sticker in the window. You know, am I going to walk in and get accosted, assaulted, something, you know? Um, so, yeah. Again, uh, kind of echoing what Joan was saying is we're we're still mid, you know, mid the first time we're ever doing this, so we're kind of just taking notes and and we'll, we'll we'll get to it and hopefully tackle it and do something good with it after we're after we're done this month. So, so one of the things that I recall that happened at a place I used to work at was um, when this question came up, and exactly to your point, Michael you never knew whose office you were gonna walk into and whether or not they were gonna be friendly to you. And they created this, you are welcome here campaign. And they had little cards that everybody got to put outside their office, you know, and just to let people know that you were welcome here. And I thought it was a great way to walk around and feel like I am welcome here. I'm not just welcome in my own office, but I'm welcome in yours and I'm welcome in yours. And I think that's a great idea to do at the Medford businesses. So I'm taking notes. I, I'll just add a couple of things. So I wanted to add on to what Michael said. I love the idea of having, and, and Joan, having these stickers that welcome. And on the contrary side, I would love these businesses to take down the stickers that I find kind of somewhat hostile and off-putting, like for example, the thin blue line, um, flags, which to me feels anti-black um, white supremacy, and I, I don't, I don't really feel super comfortable with that. So, you know, that might be another aspect of the campaign would be to get them take it down. And I also wanted to mention I went to Trans Pride event yesterday, which was by the Trans Emergency Fund, and I would love to see us have one event where we're fundraising 
for some organization that's going to help people. And I would love to see something like Trans Emergency um, Fund doing doing an event with us because they are supporting trans trans people and often trans people of color. And because of the intersections of racism and anti queerness, they're some of the most vulnerable people in this whole country. And I think that's something I think about a lot is, is trans people of color and how much they suffer under the all the oppression of, of both patriarchy, um, anti-queerness and, and, and racism or white supremacy. Thank you. It sounds like we're having a mini planning session right now. <laughs> and, and not to undercut any of the, you, you're all doing amazing work and it was really impressive to be at the events that have happened so far and it makes me excited for what's to come. Um, anybody else, any other comments or anything else you wanna make sure we mention before we wrap up? Well, thank you so much. Um, I look forward to seeing you all at some more of these events. Thanks so much to Cyan, Joan, Lucy, and Michael, as well as the rest of the Pride Planning Committee. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. And as always, if you have feedback about this episode or ideas for future episodes, you can email medfordpod at gmail.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Guys, what's the name of the podcast? Never Bites! Never Bites! <laughs> Go down.